that for quite a while, I think. We're going to be in chapter 2 this morning. Timothy alluded to that with the kid talk today. Grace and peace to you from God our Heavenly Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ, by the presence of his Holy Spirit. He's among us. He's right here. And the Holy Spirit is within every single believer. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So we're in the Gospel of John. We were talking, looked at uh, Jesus calling his first disciples last Sunday. And today we're going to check in on somebody that we know well from Christmas time, uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus. You might also um, be surprised to see her pop up in different places along the line. Uh, blew me away that she was such a big part of Pentecost. She was in that upper room with 120 praying and waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. And, and she was one upon whom the Holy Spirit danced with tongues of fire and so forth. So Mary is uh, a wonderful uh, woman of faith and pops up in some fascinating places. She does in our story today. But I want us to consider for a moment as we go into this story what it was like for Mary uh, between uh, the Christmas stuff and the, the Pentecost stuff. Well, the cross too, but before then, what was it like in the interim? So we go back to the, the Christmas stuff. Well, an angel appears to her out of nowhere and says, Mary, God's got a job for you. Uh, you're going to be with child by the Holy Spirit before you've even had relations with your husband. You aren't married yet. God's going to do this because the Messiah needs to be born uh, conceived by the Holy Spirit. Are you up for this? Mary says, let it be done to me. I'm your servant. Uh, I will do what you ask me to do. So a little bit later, nine months later, angels come down, thousands of them. They speak to the shepherds. The shepherds rush into town. They tell Mary and Joseph things about the baby. And the Bible says a beautiful thing. It says Mary pondered and treasured these things in her heart. Okay? So she's hearing from angels at the moment of conception. She's hearing from angels at the time of his birth. Uh, then they take Jesus into the temple for his dedication. What happens there? Simeon, a prophet, hears from God. He's been waiting for the Messiah to walk in the door. He does. Simeon rushes up, takes the baby in his arms, gives a bunch of prophetic statements. Here's what God's told me about this child. Then Anna walks over. She's been in the temple for decades and decades. Anna walks over. She speaks some things uh, into Mary's heart and mind about this child. So Mary has a lot of stuff, right? Wonderful stuff, words from the Lord, to ponder and treasure up in her heart and her mind. And she gets to do that now for how long before Jesus goes down and gets baptized and starts ministry? How old is he? 15. Now I'm tired of work. How long does Mary get to ponder and treasure these things shared with her? Conception, birth, right after birth in the temple. For 30 years, she's sitting on these wonderful hot potatoes from God and wondering, what's the question, right? What's our question about everything? When? And he's the firstborn. He's 30 years old. He's still living at home as far as we know. He's probably taken over the carpentry business from dad. Joseph passes out of the scene. We don't know when he passes away. He's 30 years old. The life expectancy back then was like 45 or 50. So Mary's got to be thinking, when? For 30 years, she raises Jesus with Joseph as a child, obviously, firstborn child. She's treasuring these things all this time. Suppose she's wondering, when is he going to leave the house? <laughs> when is he going to start acting like the 
Messiah that everybody's telling me he's going to be? When is this going to happen? Right now, man. Right now, John chapter 2, verse 1. Getting to verse 1, Jesus has finally left the house. 30 years old. What's he? Do? Why does he leave the house? Nelson felt had known God's calling, stirring. God's like, now's the time. He goes down to the River Jordan because John the Baptist is doing ministry down there, is preaching repentance. He's baptizing people in the river for the washing away of their sins, forgiveness of their sins. Jesus goes down there, he gets baptized. Holy Spirit comes down and remains upon him. And John knew that that was a sign, right? God told him ahead of time. When you see my Holy Spirit come down out of heaven and remain on someone that you baptize, you'll know he's the Messiah. So what does John start declaring? There he is. There goes the Lamb of God who takes away the what? The sin of the world. And he keeps on declaring it. Lamb of God, Lamb of God. So last Sunday, his disciples start peeling off and going following after Jesus. And Jesus calls some of them to be among the twelve. So that's where we're out here. Chapter 2, verse 1. Five disciples have been called, four are named, and uh, then Jesus, it says in the previous verse, he goes up to Galilee, his home stomping ground. That's where Nazareth is in Galilee. So interesting, chapter 2, verse 1, God 11 says, on the which day? Third day. Why tell us that, John? Uh, on the third day. Does God like to do really cool things on the third day? Uh, let's see. Christ is risen. He was risen indeed. Uh, on the third, God loves to do big things on the third day. So here it is on the third day, probably in the third day after his baptism. It's, it's not real super clear from John. But on the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee. So just for your geography kind of thing, Cana is about eight or nine miles from Nazareth where he grew up. The more we look at this passage, this is probably family, probably related to Mary. Mary seems to be very aware of what's going on at the wedding and very concerned about the wedding and the guests. So probably relation to Mary, just making some educated guesses here. But on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, why isn't she named? Later on, it's referred to again, and again, it refers to as the mother of Jesus. At the cross, who does Jesus give Mary into whose care? Into John's care. So it's not like he doesn't know who she is. Fascinating. I, I'm thinking that John doesn't name her here because he doesn't want the story to be about Mary. He wants Jesus to be the focus. She's a huge part of this. Interesting. The mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. So everybody say... The guest list is blown up. The guest list is blown up. We got wedding stuff happening in our house, so we, we know it's, it's, it's fresh, right? The, the, the wedding guest list is blown up. So, oh, Jesus is here? We heard he'd left home finally. Oh, he's back, and he's got five disciples. Oh, sure, they can come along. If you're doing that a lot, what's happening to your plans? You're running out of chairs, running out of food. Maybe you run out of wine. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples, verse 3, when the wine ran out. Now, you've got to understand, that, that's a rough thing, right? It's a big part of the celebration. And Jewish weddings last how long? The celebration part. 
a week, seven days. Now, we don't know what part of this. We're, we're kind of thinking the front end. We don't know for sure, but it's a week-long affair. So if you run out a week-long celebration, you run out of wine early on, that's a pretty devastating blow to uh, the celebration of it. Jesus was invited, verse 3, when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus, again, could you say Mary, mother of Jesus, said to Jesus, they have no wine. Mary's aware of it right away. It's a, it's a secret right now, right? If you run out of something important at the wedding, you don't go to the microphone and broadcast that. Who knows? Only people in the inner circle. Mary is aware They've run out of wine. So I think she's she's really on the inner circle here. She goes to Jesus. So what does she know about what's happened here? She's waited 30 years for Messiah stuff to kick into gear. Amen? <laughs> Jesus leaves house, goes down to the Jordan, gets baptized, comes back. And what does he come back with? Five disciples are following him. Now, I don't know how much. We don't know how much Jesus shared with Mom in his time. Wow, Mom. Now baptized. Holy Spirit from the Father came down and rested remained to me. I, I, 40 days in the wilderness, devil threw his three best temptations at me. I crushed it. We don't know how much all he shared with us. But it, as you look at the passage, it looks like she really has an awareness that Messiah time has come. So they run out of wine. She's in the inner circle. She's concerned about this and how this is going to impact the family. How's this going to impact the family? Bride and groom are going to start off with a black mark against their name. Community is going to be really unhappy with them. Family might get, you know, dust up with each other over it. Whose fault is it? All can, you know, anybody can relate. <laughs> this, this could be rough. It's probably going to be rough. So she comes to Jesus and the whole, the Messiah thing's kicking into gear. She's pondered these things in her heart for 30 years. Is she ready for some big-time stuff to break loose? Mm -hmm. She's ready. She comes to Jesus. They have no wine. Verse 4, Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Now, this is not disrespect. Could Jesus disrespect his mom? What's one of those commandments say about father and mother? Honor and father. Oh, yeah, honor them. So if he dishonors mom, that would be something we would call sin. And that would be a problem for a sinless Messiah saving us on the cross. Amen. Amen. So this is not disrespect. This is for, in our vernacular, it's a little bit hard, but I call my mom, mom. I almost never call her mother. But it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's respectful. In this situation, it's respectful. Um, but it's not mom. She said to her, woman, respectfully. What does this have to do with me? I wasn't part of the planning. I didn't place the order. Yeah, I'm, I'm being goofy, but what's this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. I'm, I'm pretty sure what Jesus is saying there is my hour for public miracles has not yet arrived. Hard to tell the chronology here, but it looks like in two, three, four months' time from here, Jesus attends the first Passover as anointed Holy Spirit-filled Messiah. And then he starts doing public miracles. He hasn't done public miracles that we know of yet. So the, my impression here is that Jesus is saying to mom, mom, yes, the Messiah stuff's kicking into gear. 
but my time for public miracles has not yet come. Verse 5, his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. I don't know what all went on in between my hour has not yet come and do whatever you I don't know. Isn't it fascinating to ponder what happened there? Is it just mother knowing Messiah stuff is happening? Is it, is it the Holy Spirit whispering, speaking to her to, to prompt him? I don't know. Um, but this is fascinating, wonderful, loving, respecting mom stuff. And she has a pretty good maybe handle the situation. But she comes back to him and says, she says to the servants, actually, do whatever he tells you. I don't know what she expects. But it sure sounds like she expects a miracle. She expects something out of the ordinary. This is a problem. How do you supply a big wedding? It's a big wedding. How do you supply a big wedding with wine when you've got nothing? Do whatever he tells you, she says to the servants. Verse 6. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites. Say with me, the Jewish rites of what? Purification. Purification each holding 20 or 30 gallons. So we're talking minimum 120 gallons, potentially, of water. Maximum 180 gallons. Is this a big wedding? No wonder they said, yeah, Jesus and five guys, yeah, no big deal. That, that's in the margin of error. Big wedding. What's this water in these jars supposed to be used for? Purification. What's it for? It's for washing hands. Now, good observant Jews and, and, and Jews who were like way over the top observant, they'd wash their hands all the time as an act of being clean and washed of sin and not engaging in sin. Purification stuff. Repeat after me. This is a whole lot of hand washing. This is a whole lot of hand washing. Okay, a whole lot. A whole lot of hand washing. Six stone water jars for purification for hand washing holding a minimum of 120 gallons. That's a lot of hand washing. Verse 7. Jesus said to his servants, say it with me, this is so fun to say, fill, fill the, the jars with water. Now, this is clear. Fill the jars with water. Look what the servants do. And they filled them up, say it with me, to, to the, the brim. brim. Who does Jesus have upon him now, residing upon him, in him? The Holy Spirit. Um, the Holy Spirit's on him. Five men have already acknowledged the Holy Spirit, acknowledged John's testimony. Five men have always already committed their lives to walk with him. I don't know why the servants filled them to the brim. Would you? I, I wouldn't fill them to the brim. Somebody bumps it. What do you got? You got water all over. Why the servants fill to the brim? I, I think it's a God thing. I think they're sensing the moment they're sensing Jesus, but they fill him to the brim. I just put in the in my margin of my Bible plenty. Abundance. God always does things with abundance. Amen. He never does just enough. He always gives you more than you need. So they fill him up to the brim, and Jesus said to them, Now draw some out. He doesn't, he doesn't call it what? He doesn't say draw some of the water out. He says draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. The guy in charge of the food and the wine. Take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water 
now become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. They're all like, let's hear it for servants. Amen? Amen. Letting them have some fun that nobody else knows about. So the servants are like, we know what's going on here. The servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first. And when people have drunk freely, you know, and the taste buds aren't functioning exactly like they used to before, then they slip them the cheaper stuff, and nobody knows the difference. That's Pastor Joe Slander does, but that's here. Um, everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. Say this with me. So he's saying this to the bridegroom, but, but you, you have, have kept, kept the, the good wine, wine until, until now. Now, if you're the bridegroom, try and visualize the masterpiece comes over and I don't even know if the bridegroom knows they've been out of wine. Probably does. And he's like, <coughs> you say the best till last. Does the bridegroom have any clue what's happened? No idea. So what's the bride? I would love to see the bridegroom's reaction. You've got to be like, yeah, for sure, no problem. <laughs> now, if he's really smooth, he's just going to receive and accept and go, I'm here, but it sounds good, and I'm happy because there's wine in my hand. I've never seen this before. Studying this passage, preaching on the past, God finally got my attention. Who did the miracle? Who provided the wine? Jesus did. Who gets credit for it? The bridegroom does. Does Jesus go to the microphone and go, wait a minute? I provided the wine. How about a little applause this direction? Jesus does the miracle. He provides the wine. He lets the bridegroom receive the applause. What's he doing with this? He's saving this bridegroom and bride from a personal disaster. He's saving the family from all kinds of He's blessing the community. Instead of what could be a negative thing that the community talked about for decades. Remember that time when so-and-so and so-and-so ran out of wine in the middle of their wedding week? And, oh, it was terrible. Instead of that going on for decades, it's been going on for decades and decades. Remember that wedding when they broke all the traditions? a really potentially painful situation and made it wonderful forever. And he didn't take any of the credit for it. The servants knew. Mary knew. Disciples knew. Nobody else knew. Jesus let anybody here willing to do that? When you do something really cool and people don't know it was you, and somebody else starts getting the credit, what do you and I do about it? Now, wait a minute, that was me, right? Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. And he's even willing to let somebody else have the glory. Our God, he just blows me away. There's no God like him. 
go ahead and invent anybody you want to. Tell me all you want about Muhammad. Doesn't hold a candle. That's not even the main point of the passage. We say glory. But you've kept the good wine until now. I think this is a bigger part of what's going on here. Did Jesus all the time use physical things in life to teach about spiritual truths? All the time. Do the disciples always get that he was using physical things to teach about? Hardly ever. Amen. We're like that. So did Jesus do things that, that months and years later the disciples look back and went, oh, now I get it. A lot, right? I think this is one of them. What was all this water in the jar supposed to be used for? Hand washing, cleansing, purifying. What did Jesus change it into? Wine. And it's the best. It's even the wine. I'm trying to follow me here. I know my brain is. Try and follow me here. So what what's John the Baptist been doing? What did Jesus just come out of? Baptism with water, washing away sins. Isn't that good stuff? Is baptism good? Is baptism powerful? Everybody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, is there something better? Is there something even better than baptism? Because the Bible, the rest of the New Testament says that forgiveness of sins comes with baptism. But what purchased the forgiveness of sins that God releases in baptism? Jesus' death on the cross, the blood he shed on the cross, his death on the cross, his resurrection, that's what purchases the forgiveness of sins. So we receive it in baptism. We get, we get forgiveness lots of different ways. One of the ways is in baptism. But the water in baptism brings forgiveness because Jesus purchased it for us on the cross. So this water in the, in the stone jars for washing hands and washing hands, it's about forgiveness and washing away sins. We get that. But something better came along. Jesus changed it into blood, to wine, into blood. Because at the Last Supper, Jesus did what with wine? He said, this now, this, this cup of wine is now the blood of the covenant. It's new. It's now my blood shed for you and for the forgiveness of sins. I'm pretty sure as the disciples look back on this event, because we're going to find out it's the very first miracle Jesus ever did. They're going to look back on this event, and they're going to go, you know what he was doing? He was teasing us. He was showing us that baptism and water and forgiveness is wonderful, but that he's going to purchase that and empower it and do the best forgiveness act ever in the cross through his blood. And do you need a little bit of blood to cover that little bit of sin in your life? I need a lot. I need those stone jars to brim over. I need, you know what? I put in the margin 120 minimum. 100, I'm pretty sure it was 180, baby. Because <laughs> I and then the world, each one, we need a lot of grace. We need a lot of payment. We need a lot of blood. So it wasn't a public miracle. He lets the bridegroom get all the glory. He does this really powerful spiritual lesson, object lesson for us, right? But for what purpose? Verse 11. This, the first of his signs. Let's do it together in unison with me. This, this the, the first, first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee. And manifested his glory, and his disciples believed him. 
just manifest his glory. So wonderful. Manifest means to display, to put on display. So Jesus put on display his glory. What's his glory? His glory is his power, his authority, his character, his personality. He put on display his character as a servant. He let the bridegroom get all the glory. That's a display of his servant heart. And the disciples are going, aren't you going to tell us what to do with that? I'm going to let him shine. What did he manifest in his glory? And then, of course, that little thing where 180 gallons of water became fantastic wine. Certainly, that's a miracle that makes the eyes pop. So he did this first sign to manifest his glory, but here's his ultimate purpose. His disciples these guys are fresh, brand new. Brand new. He wants to he wants to ramp up their faith. And starting down here, he wants to ramp it up fast. Because in three years' time, Jesus is gonna he's gonna go on. Amen. And they're gonna have to take up the mantle. And is it gonna be easy peasy for those guys? Every single one of them, except John, is going to go on to what? Martyrdom. We need to build up some serious faith here. This one starts with water and wine. So for you and I, a couple things here. Got trouble in families. Got trouble in communities. Um, can Jesus do something with that? I know he can do stuff individually with me, and I'm glad about that. What about on big scale? Can Jesus do big scale stuff with on families? Can he do big scale stuff on whole communities? Does he like to do that kind of stuff? Does he enjoy that? Does he care that he gets all the glory for it even? So I just submit to you, if you got some big mountain, hairy, ugly thing, and it's big as family, as big as community, Praying, be believing, give it over to Jesus and ask him to do something really big to bring blessing and healing and, and honor to someone, whatever he wants to do. Have him release that in your faith. And then here's the other thing. How much forgiveness do you need from him? Maybe you had a pretty good week. Maybe you've had a pretty solid morning. Glad for you. Maybe it's been dark and black and a mess. It's okay. Jesus got 180 gallons. It's for you. Baptism, that's awesome. We can do that. But here's the last thing all that water in those jars. They kept trying to wash their own hands and make themselves clean. Jesus be saying, you can't do it. You can't accomplish it. You have to keep doing it over and over and over and over, and you still know you're not clean. There's only one thing that can clean you like you need to be clean. That's my blood. And I'll supply more than you need. It's not going to be just enough. So bring your sin to Jesus today. Let him just wash it away with the best stuff ever. His perfect, innocent, sacrificed blood.
thanks for loving families. Thanks for loving communities. Thanks for ministering, healing, and, and help in big settings and in one-on-one too. And Jesus, um, we try sometimes really hard to clean ourselves up, and man, we just fail every time. And we're so glad that you're aware of that. You provided for it, and you love us anyway. And you come along and you say, here, let me take care of this. Stop washing your hands yourself and let me wash you. So Jesus, right now we're saying, okay, you got to do it. You're the only one. I'm saying, I love you, Jesus. Forgive all my sin. If there's a tassel, there's a bunch. Might need all 180 gallons, but let's settle. Lord, Lord Jesus, you apply your sacrifice death and your resurrection. Apply it now to each one here. Make us whiter than snow the way only you can. Make us so holy and righteous we can even come into the presence of our Holy Father. Wow. Thank you, Father. Keep us now and forever in the palm of your hand. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Thanks for cleansing, for washing, for holiness and righteousness forever in your presence. We bless you, mighty God. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Jesus and Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Let's stand up and sing about it, shall we? Number 266. On the screen, nothing but the blood. Baptism water is good, too. We're not counting that down. It's just that's purchased. What can one do but the blood of Jesus? Awesome, God. Thanks for covering all your children this week in the blood of Jesus right now. Now we're ready. We're prepared to receive the blessing. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and keep you in his perfect peace under the blood. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.